Are you tired of spending your time and money chasing strategy after strategy only to discover what worked 10, 5, or even 2 years ago is not working now? Things shift fast in the online space, and if you're not keeping up, you're getting left behind. It's time for something different. Welcome to the Marketing, Media, and Money Podcast, where every single episode will be jam-packed with proven, profitable strategies, behind-the-scenes secrets, and what's working now resources. From industry experts and global influencers to help you scale your business, shorten your learning curve, and stand out in a crowded, noisy marketplace. And now, your host, award-winning marketing and media strategist and international speaker, Patty Farmer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Marketing Media Money Podcast. I'm your host, Patty Farmer, and I'm looking forward to sharing today's industry expert with you. And I have to tell you right up front, make sure you have a pen and paper. We're going to have some really great nuggets and writer downers, as I like to call them, with you. And I have to tell you that until five minutes ago, I had never spoken to our guest before. And I also have to tell you right now, I think she's going to be my new best friend. So you are going to love it. She blew my mind already just in the conversation before the interview that I can't wait to share her with you even more than I already was. So let me tell you a little bit about her. So BBG highly founded the Beauvoir. Beauvoir. How did I not ask that question? The <laughs> Beauvoir Group to give women in leadership the license to be unapologetically visible, make bold moves, and stop apologizing for what they want from their career. As a sought-after keynote speaker and strategic advisor to women, BBG has rightfully owned spots on national stages, sharing her approach to women's visibility, imposter syndrome, and personal branding. When she isn't on stage, she's still speaking. Her podcast, Speaking with Women, explores the experience of women with work in our day and age. BBG is also and especially the mother of a wise seven-year-old, third culture kid, podcast and book nerd, and a running enthusiast. I have to tell you, you're so well-rounded. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Hi, Betsy. <laughs> I'm I so excited. I enjoy hearing that. I always ask how to pronounce your, ah, there you go. I'm not even going to edit that out. I was so excited about everything you had to say. I forgot to ask you that question. I always ask that, but that's okay. That just goes to show you that I was so enthralled with the information you were sharing that I was just couldn't wait to get on here so I could share you with my audience. So I want to dive right in first Let's and know it. that there's no possible way that you could become all these amazing things that you are doing right now without having some meandering road, right? We don't just wake up one day and say, oh, here's my purpose and my passion and this is what I'm going to do, right? There's always some meandering road. So what was the aha moment for you? Like what happened for you that made it so that you're like, nope, this is it. This is what I'm doing. This is how I want to serve. This is the end all be all for me. Cause I really feel like that is the thing from which everything else and all your genius really comes from. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually still remember it. Um, it came from my maternity leave. So I was a consultant for a really long time in org design and change management. And when I took my maternity leave, 
Um, and I came back and I had motherhood, brain fog, exhaustion. And as a consultant, I needed to be on, available, know what I'm doing. And I was having a really hard time. And so I started to think, okay, maybe I'm not the only one. Maybe there are other women. And I started to offer services to women around, you know, interviewing, career. I realized I was really good at it because I had helped my ex-husband get a number of promotions. And then one day, one of these women that I was interview, I was helping to learn how to interview came to my house and was sitting on my kitchen table. And her CV and the job description are a one-to-one match. And yet she has this complete fear that she'll not get the job that she needed because her life was really hard. Like her current employer didn't want her to commute. She had a two hour commute to go to work. Her husband was never home. She had young children, like the whole thing. So this woman is sitting at my kitchen table. I see the CV one-to-one. She says, you know, I'm not sure I'm gonna get this job. Part of it is because my English is really not good. And I'm in Quebec, so we speak French. So I said to her, well, why don't we talk English? Like, let me interview you a little bit in English to see how's your English. And we start and her English is perfect. The only thing that is potentially wrong, at least in her mind with her English, is that she has a French accent because she's Francophone. And yet this woman was imagining that she wasn't going to get this job, that she wasn't good enough for this job when it was actually under her capacity. She should, she should have gotten the job up. And she's crying at my table. And from that moment, I was like, this doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. And I've analyzed later on why I'm so passionate about it. And I've understood like in my whole life, since I was a little girl, this relationship, gender equity and how women show up and how they're silenced, how, how much that has played in my life. But that particular moment with this woman crying at my kitchen table made me say, you know what? I'm done. This is where I want to do work. And this is, this is who I want to serve. It's evolved a little bit, but it's always been women. And it's always been their capacity to show up and be visible for their awesomeness, even when they don't realize how amazing they are. I love that because the reality is, I think for women, we don't. I see it over and over and over again, where they just don't think that they're enough. And some of it probably came from in generations before us. You know, we weren't or they weren't as aware of how much words matter. Right. (laughs) Right. They just weren't as aware of how much words matter. Like we're way more aware now of how we choose our words and use our voice, right? So I think that for a lot of us, how we raise our kids now, we're very, very aware of the words that we speak, right? And how it can affect someone. But I really feel like women, a lot of the reasons why they don't think they're enough is because they're comparing themselves to men, Right. You know, I feel like when they are thinking about how much should they charge, when they're thinking about how they should serve, when they're going up for a promotion, they compare themselves to men and then they think, oh, I couldn't charge that or, oh, I couldn't do that. And it's kind of like this filter within them, kind of like where we get imposter syndrome from. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is there is the comparison, but the other thing that there is is to your point about words. 
the words that are used to talk about women's reality are always words that make it smaller. So I'll give you an example. When you're talking about a woman's business initiative, someone might say, hey, Patty, how's that little project of yours going? And if they're talking to Sam, they'll say, hey, Sam, have you written the business plan for your initiative yet? Have you gotten a VC to fund you? But for Patty, it's that little project. How's that going? So the words that we use to describe the reality of women is always a little bit, has a little bit less gravitas than it would for the initiative. And we don't even realize it. We're so used to this language and to not being careful with language that we end up walking in the world and showing up in a way that is smaller than what we are able to do. I think that I see it all the time, even in things as simple as calling yourself an expert, right? You know, if you call yourself an expert, oh, do you feel like a lot of times women will feel like they're bragging, right? And they don't feel comfortable doing it. They don't step into it, right? They don't show up fully because they're not feeling it. And so they think somebody else won't see it. And really, that is just not true. It is just not true. It's one of the, it's the number one, actually. It's not one of the, it's the number one fear that the women I work with on their visibility have. Stepping into calling themselves an expert and along a continuum, right? It's not even bragging. And I'm using the word bragging on purpose and saying, I'm the expert of. It's even just stepping into what they know so well. Oh, I'm not comfortable using that term. Oh, I have expertise. So the, the way they'll go around it is I have some expertise in this domain. Um, you know, who am I to? Um, there are other people who have done so much more work. Again, bringing it down to a, a smaller level, right? And the word experts, when you think about it, Patty, people turn to experts, right? When you want something for something that's important in your life, if I want marketing expertise, I'll go to a marketing expert. I won't go to someone who's going to downplay and say, yeah, I have some knowledge, but I'm not, you know, it's not my expertise. And so there really is a danger in what we think being hum as humility, right? I'm humble. I'm a humble person. That's another thing that I hear. And that's fantastic. But I always say, be humble about the things you're not amazing at, because there's so many of those, right? If you hire me as a project manager, Trust me, I'm going to be humble because I really, really suck at project management. But the things at which you are good and that you've been working for 20, 25, 30 years to hone your craft, don't be humble. No one needs you to play small. They need you to serve. And in order to do that, you have to step into your expertise. I agree with you. As a matter of fact, I truly believe that the things that come the easiest to you are the things that you should charge the most for because there's people out there that it doesn't and they're literally praying for somebody to be able to help them with that. So I think that is really important and it is hard to step into those words. You know, I know for me, one of the things that I used to hear from my clients all the time and I just really struggled with it is they would say, oh, Patty, you're such a visionary, right? And I was like, I'm not a visionary. I mean, that was such a big word. I'm like, I'm not a visionary. And I would sort of like 
like, you know, my shoulders would come down. We'd kind of like, oh, I couldn't like step into that. And then all of a sudden, after I had some coaching, I realized I absolutely am. Like literally, that's what people hire me for. That's mm. my gift, right? You know, is that I am very creative and I see the vision and I'm able to break it down for other people. But when I hire other people, I want somebody who's a visionary as well, right? I mean, that's what I'm looking for too. I want somebody who is an expert in actuality. I really want somebody who's an authority. Yeah. And sometimes people will say to me, well, what's the difference between an expert and authority? For me, I kind of feel like if you have a business, I'm really hoping that you're an expert at it. Like, I really hope that you're an expert. at it. But not everybody is an authority because an authority means that you're an expert at something, but that you're able to influence others and specifically influence them to make a decision. And if you really do a good uh, purchasing decision, right? So for me, I am looking for someone who is an authority. That is what I am looking for. Who is the authority on this? So I don't think there is anything wrong. As a matter of fact, I encourage it. Step into who you are and be the authority. Don't just be an expert. Yeah, I, I love that. I've taken note of that, um, Patsy. I really love how you, you've you taken that to the next step. And I think that goes to the whole conversation around thought leadership. I really love how you eat, but I could search the web for it. Really? <laughs> Did you have Google or Alexa jump into our conversation? I love that. She even had something to say about that. She even thought that was amazing. But that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit that out. This we'll edit that to out. to me all the time. <laughs> Um, so, so I love what, how you brought expertise to authority because it brings us to the conversation around thought leadership, right? That is why women, you know, we want, we were talking about LinkedIn before we came on, what you put out in the world from your expertise is what allows you to position yourself as an authority, what allows you to be recognized for that expertise. And that takes a lot out of a lot of women, they are really not comfortable stepping into that space. The who am I to is still so intense. I agree with that. You know, one of the things that I really loved when I went and looked at your website was how you talk about visibility, right? Just the unapologetically visible, right? And I think that is so important because it's not just enough. Don't just say, oh, I'm going to be visible. Be unapologetically visible, right? You know, speak your truth to who you are. And I think people respect that. And as a matter of fact, we're in a sea of noise now, right? You know, whether it's on social media, you know, wherever it is, there's this sea of noise. And in this world of AI, even more so right now, right? You need to use your voice unapologetically and be bold and have a point of view because that's what's going to tell me whether I want to hire somebody. What's your point of view? What makes you different than everybody else that does what you do? And that's how you find the person who's your person. You know, what do you think about that? I, I'm like, people can't see, but I'm nodding my head furiously. And what's interesting about that, Patsy, is that what that's one of the things that women are uncomfortable with because taking a stand for the, for a lot of us represents a potential for conflict. And our, and we can talk about why we're so averse to conflict, but saying this is what I think means somebody might disagree with you or somebody might be upset with you. And so we shy away from that and we 
we converge towards the beige, we converge toward the middle where there is very little conflict. The problem is that in the middle, you cannot be recognized. You can't be seen. I mean, just think about it. Even visually, if you were in the middle of a group of tons of people, you can't stand out. In order to stand out, you have to move away from the group. And so taking a stand on something and using an I statement, which is one of the things my clients find the hardest, but using an I statement to say what it is that you're passionate about, what's important for you, what change you want to see in the world is what's going to position you. And so we think that the things we that make us angry or that we talk about with our family on Friday night or Sunday brunch are the things we should keep away from the public space, the LinkedIn, et cetera. But that's what we should talk about. That's what people need to hear so that they say, this is the woman that I want in my courts. That's what they want to hear too. Like I always like to say all the time that you're not reinventing ice cream. You're just making your own flavor, right? You know, what is your flavor? And I have to tell you, there are still people in the world who like vanilla, right? Some people really just love vanilla, but you know what? If you're not vanilla, don't be afraid to come out and say, hey, I am Rocky Road and I have chocolate sprinkles and I have hot fudge on the top and a little bit of caramel. If that's who you are, because there's people going, wow, that's really what I want. Right. And for me, that is where I really find that you can stand out. You know, not everything has to be controversial. Not everything has to be, you know, this super throw the gauntlet down. If that's your personality, though, and that's how you think, there's nothing wrong with that. But you don't have to feel, I don't feel like everybody has to be that. But I just feel like you shouldn't back down from what you stand for, because the things that make you different are the things that make other people want to hire you for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the ways of stepping into that, a very simple way, it's simple, but it's hard is accepting that you might, you're not going to be liked by everybody. People are just not going to like your stuff, like what you have to say, and that's okay. And it's an exercise I've had to do that I found excessively difficult, right? Like when you turn that light upon yourself and say, you know, some people just don't like what I have to say. Some people don't like me. No one wants to feel that. But once you accept that that's going to happen for everybody, then it makes it much easier to go out in the world with an opinion. And you're right. Not everything has to be activism, but you do have to stand for what you believe in and just be comfortable saying it. And you can practice small pieces until you get to the point where you're like, okay, I can be completely unapologetic, but you can't live your life behind behind a wall because you're afraid of conflict and what people are going to say about you. I know. I think sometimes people say, oh, I don't want to have any haters. I say, if you don't have any haters, you haven't stood up for anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I mean, like there isn't if anything. It doesn't matter what you say. I hate the color red. I mean, you could say something as simple as that and you'll have people say, oh, my gosh, why don't you like the color red? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, whatever it is, if you don't have haters, you haven't stood up for anything yet. Yeah. Right. You know, to me, when the haters come out, you know, it's like. So what I always just want to say, well. To me, there's, I'm always open to another point of view, right? There's always different perspectives. It doesn't mean that you have to shift what you believe, but maybe you're going to 
soften it or maybe there's another point of view that you hadn't thought of right you know if anything the last several years have taught us is it isn't the way we all thought it was and we need to be open to how it could be different and should be different right in a conversation and people never want to have conversations where they think is conflict i have to tell you for me i love to have conversations where everybody has a different point of view because I come out of that conversation more well-rounded with a different point of view and it is exciting and dynamic. I think it is wonderful. And I love women who are unapologetically visible, right? You know, speak your truth. And, you know, I think that that is really like, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to do it, but I think first they have to know it. So one of the things that I really want to say for you is I think that, there has to be some, I don't want to say similarity, but do you see for what you're doing with women, do you see like the same type of things come up? Like, are there some common threads, some common things that women see? Maybe they're doing and they don't even recognize it, that maybe if they hear it, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's me. I didn't even realize I was doing that. What are a few of those things yeah. that um, you, you see in your clients? Yeah. Um, thank you for that question. Actually, I, I think about it a lot because I do see things um, that keep coming up. And what is interesting is that it doesn't matter what level in their professional journey they are at. So they can be C-level or starting out. I'm hearing the same sentences. One of those is around what they put out in the world. So their story. I hear so many women tell me Right before they tell me an amazing story, they'll tell me, you know, I'm not sure I actually have anything to share. I'm not sure I actually have a story. What could I talk about? What could I put out in the world? So that's sort of not knowing what their red thread is, not knowing what their value is, not having done the work to give value to their life story and see the links, you know, right before we came online, you and I, Patsy, were talking about how you stepped into being the amazing speaker that you are right now. And that has different links in your life, right? A lot of women are uncomfortable doing that work or just don't see it. So they'll say, I don't have a story. So that's one big piece of it. Another piece is in taking action. And this is where I talk a lot about imposter syndrome. But even after we've done the work of uncovering the story, of looking at what type of assets they could put out in the world, even after we've done all this work, my clients and the women I talk to will procrastinate. And this procrastination of putting themselves out there is the fear that taking the leap, I could never say something like this. And then they'll massage a LinkedIn post for like three weeks and it has to be perfect. And then it'll be too late to put it out in the world. Or they'll be working on their profile and working on their profile and tweaking this and tweaking that. Or I'll say, could you please put your profile in the first person? And they're like, that's not professional enough. And so when I ask them to actually get into action, put themselves out there, whether on LinkedIn or another visibility platform, that's when I see the brakes getting slammed. And again, it really doesn't matter the level. I mean, I've seen women who have stories that could shake the world and who, when they're with me on one-on-one, -on -one, will uncover it. They get excited. When they're left alone with the LinkedIn in front of them to press post, 
they're like, oh my God, no, I can't. I, I need more time. I need more of this. I need, so imposter syndrome is not something that we can sweep under the rug. It rears its head every time we try to get into an action. And basically what it is, is I'm not enough something. I'm not expert enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not experienced enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not strategic enough. I'm not operational enough. Whatever it is in your life that your brain can plug onto to say you're not enough will come in when the time comes for you to post on LinkedIn and call yourself an expert. That is so true. I remember for me, it was, I wasn't skinny enough. (laughs) I used to think, you know, oh, I have to be able to wear this soap opera dress. And all of these things is what I thought. And also I feel like I remember when I became a speaker, like in the first year, I kept waiting for someone in the audience to jump up and call bullshit. (laughs) I just kept thinking somebody's going to jump up and call bullshit. And I realized that it didn't mean that they were right and I was wrong. It just meant they had a different point of view. You know, now a lot of times people will raise their hand and look like, oh, God, I never thought of it that way or whatever the case may be. Now I welcome that. It used to be a big fear for me, though, before, but it's like, pick a topic. How many topics do you think there are in the world that if you didn't ask 15 or 20 people that they wouldn't all have a different perspective, right? So I think that's really um, interesting. And I know that you really um, do a lot with visibility. So there's a couple of things I want to ask you and you can answer them in the order you want. I think they kind of tie in though. One is like, really, how does this being uh, unapologetically visible differ from like personal branding like you know and what's the relationship to expertise and how that relates to women showing up like I think that they kind of really go in and um, I, I really can see the relationship to that and I think it is really important and I see it more on LinkedIn than anywhere else I don't know why I don't know if it's because people have longer posts I don't even know what it is maybe because Facebook is a little bit more casual and Twitter has less words, but really I find they really mess themselves up or they get kind of caught up in that on LinkedIn. So can you speak to that? Yes. And I'm so glad you asked. Quick story. When I started out with this work, I positioned myself as a personal brand coach and it didn't feel good to me. And I didn't know why. It literally felt like, you know, when you have a shoe that's too small or you have like a pebble in your shoe, something's just off. And then I realized that it's because a personal brand is a thing. I think of a personal brand as an asset. It's something that you build and that you can leverage. But if you are not visible, you don't have a personal brand. And visibility is so much larger. One, it's all of that understanding of who you are, that alignment that you need to do. And then two, it's all the mindset work that you have to do, right? The imposter syndrome, you were talking about expertise, that falls into it. So for me, visibility is a practice and personal branding is an asset. And for me, in your visibility practice, you'll have different assets. So your intellectual property is an asset, your network is an asset, and your personal brand is an asset. But those are just pieces, artifacts. Your visibility practice is larger, right? It's you completely understanding what you're putting out in the world, being truthful about it. That's the thing also. You're not only showing the pretty things. 
You are being truthful about what you're amazing at and truthful about what you suck at. That allows you to create boundaries. Because when you tell everybody, I'm really bad at this, I can guarantee you, Patsy, nobody's coming to me to organize things. No, because I have been telling them, anybody who wants to hear, and they can see it, that my strength is not in organization and structure and, and, and project management. But for this work, for strategy work, for seeing women, for mirroring to them their, their amazingness, I can do it in my sleep. So you have to do both. You have to be able to tell the world everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then you have to be able to choose your platforms, LinkedIn, public speaking, podcasting, any, even your meetings at work, if you're in the corporate world, your meetings, your board meetings, all of those are visibility platforms and decides how you're going to show up on them. A brand is more tactical, right? It's your messaging. It's the packaging. What's your tone? What are the visuals? And, and it's just you putting yourself out there, but the package of it and the visibility is a practice. It's much larger. So for you, if you were going to define it in your words, what does showing up really mean for you? In one word, it's truth. It's not having to hide anything. And so, again, that's why I keep coming back to the fact that it's a practice because it won't happen overnight. It'll, you know, somebody comes to me or somebody starts looking up different podcasts and whatnot on, on showing up on visibility and they'll be like, oh, no, this is not for me. I'm not ready yet. And so the whole process of becoming ready, the whole process of becoming comfortable with who you are, the whole process of saying, you know what, I can do it scared. The whole process of saying, this is my value, this particular thing, and I'm really good at it. The whole process of asking for your value in monetary terms, and then stopping not talking anymore after that, because you're afraid that somebody will say no to you. That's what showing up is. That's why it's a practice. And that's why I separated from personal branding, which is this thing, you know, one artifact. When you're talking about visibility here, right? And we're talking about impact, right? What would you say the impact is on the capacity to sell and attract opportunities? And so, I think LinkedIn is really kind of important there because I think that's where I see it a lot. Um, what about you? So I really feel like there is an impact that visibility does have on our capacity to sell and create opportunities. So what would 100%, you say about that? 100%. So LinkedIn is my number one business development tool. And I use the term business development on purpose, knowing that I don't use it as a business development tool, I use it as a relationship tool and I use it as a place to showcase what I know and what I'm obsessed with, which is women's visibility. By me being visible around that thing that I am good at, it resonates with women who needs this. And so I've had people reach out to me after two years of following me, two years. So they'll follow, they'll have aha moments. They'll get in conversations with me. They'll send me DMs saying, oh my God, that resonated so much. And they won't necessarily do anything right now. But eventually when they need, they're like, okay, you know what? I'm ready. They'll reach out to me, not to somebody else. Because I talked about myself and I made myself visible. I talked about my obsession 
I talked about my failures. I talked about my successes, what I wasn't good at, what I was amazing at. And so now I have a relationship with these women, even if I don't know I have a relationship with them yet, because they're following me in the same way that I follow thought leaders that I'm, you know, their message resonates. So by I call being it social stalking. Yeah. Yeah. Social 100%. stalking. That's exactly what it is. But social stalking is also developing a relationship with another human being. And at some point being like, you know what, binge listening to their podcast, following what they do, downloading their ebook, like just following their, their path on the internet because it resonates with you. And that's what being visible does. And, you know, I am pretty sure I can hear what a lot of women are thinking right now. They're like, yeah, but I'm not a thought leader. Yeah, but I'm not a, 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 I'm not like trying to sell. Yeah, but I'm not a coach. But you're someone who has 20 years of expertise, 15 years of expertise, who knows what she's doing. And maybe you want another job. And the difference between visibility and not visibility is not visibility. You're going to go on LinkedIn, find a job posting, apply, and then sit and wait to get an answer. And then go do the interview and then wait for them to call you back. Visibility, somebody will have seen your expertise and somebody will be in your DM saying, hey, I've been seeing you talk about marketing and I really resonate with that. Could you come and talk to my team about that? That's the difference. I think so. And I also think that when people only talk about the good, we don't resonate with that because our life isn't all just good. Right. We have the good, the bad and the ugly. What makes me trust people is when they do talk about the good, the bad and the ugly, because then I'm not worrying about what am I going to find out later? Because they're already telling me. (laughs) So they're already telling me they're being upfront. I call that real talk. You know what I mean? I mean, that's real talk when you're going to tell me. But the thing is, that's what we want. Right. We're looking to hire the person who's going to shorten our learning curve. They've already been through it. I want to know what not to do just as much as I want to know what to do. Sometimes it's even more important to know what not to do. So I feel like when somebody can be real and they actually tell you those things that are going on in their life, that's what's going to make me relate to them and really feel like they get me. And that's why I want to hire them. Yeah, 100 percent. Quick story. I a few weeks ago, maybe a month, a month and a half ago, I received the first and only until now scathing review from a client. And I had no idea it was coming because we had had a really good relationship. Everything was great. And then I got her feedback and it was two out of five and scathing review. This does not work for me. And I posted it on LinkedIn. And I posted it on LinkedIn. I took a screenshot of her review, put it on LinkedIn and said, you are not for everybody. Um, And so you're going to hear my Google now. I've got some reminders for boss. So I posted it on LinkedIn and said, you are not for everybody. And the reason that I did that was multiple. Number one is I wanted to practice what I preach. I wanted to say it's safe to be visible in all the aspects of who you are. Two, you're not for everybody. Look, I show up here asking you to buy from me. I show up here telling you my stories. This is part of the story. There are women for who I'm just not a fit. And you know what? It's okay. I'm going to be okay, even though I post this on, on LinkedIn, right? 
And so I think we really need to be comfortable with that and realize that being truthful in our visibility, what you call the good, the bad, and the ugly, like you said, is what allows us to relate to one another. I think that's really true. I love that our conversation is so good right now that um, Alexa, Google, they all just want to come in. And if you're a male right now and you're male and you're listening to this and you're like, wow, this is really a show for women. You're like, well, I don't know. Do you work with women? Like ask yourself that. Do you work with women? Are your clients, some of them women? Because this could be really eye-opening for you if you're a man on maybe why you're not closing some of the deals you think should be easier, yeah. right? You know, yeah. understanding women, right? You know, so I think that whether you're male or female, right? No matter what you identify as, I think it is really important that this conversation really happens because I think it is really important for us to be thinking about being unapologetically visible, right? However that looks for you, however it feels, I think it is so important. Now, let's talk about LinkedIn because I saw something that you posted and I loved it so much. And I was like, oh, I, one of the things that I really uh, wrote down that I wanted to talk about. So let's talk about the LinkedIn police. So I think that's kind of an interesting. (laughs) Tell us about the LinkedIn police. The LinkedIn police is my obsession. Okay. Thank you for the platform. I'm going to say this for everybody. I hope you're listening. There is no LinkedIn police. Those trolls that will come in your comments and that will ask you to justify what you just said, nobody has given them a job as the LinkedIn police. Those people who are going to doubt what you're saying and ask you, you know, well, that doesn't make sense. No one has said that they are right and you are wrong. And this is super important because women get triggered. Women refuse to post on LinkedIn because they're afraid that somebody is going to react to what they said or call them out. Here's the thing. If they call you out rudely, they're the ones who look unprofessional. That's what women don't understand. They think we look, we think we look unprofessional when someone calls us out. When someone calls us out, they look unprofessional. If they are asking a question that is justifiable, answer the question. If they are rude or making you look small, you have two choices, ignore and leave them there. And I've done this before and it just makes them climb up a wall because they're looking for attention like any bully. Or you can block and delete. And I think a lot of people don't understand that your LinkedIn post and your LinkedIn profile is your real estate. You don't want to be curating the comments all the time, but if somebody is being rude, if somebody is going out of the boundaries that you want, block them. There is no LinkedIn police. If there's one thing that I want you to keep from this conversation is that you are allowed to show up on that platform like you want. Ooh, I'm even going to go one step further on that and jump on your bandwagon right there is to really understand that one of the things that's really great about being unapologetically visible is you get to control the narrative, right? You know, step into that. You get to control the narrative. And so when people say things that aren't nice, you're right. You can do one of those two things. And sometimes you can literally answer them and thank them and say, well, thank you so much for sharing your point of view, right? You know, and I appreciate you sharing it 
in the appropriate way, right? Because sometimes people will do it not so appropriate. That would mean they would fall under the block and delete, right? Block and delete. But right. But if they just don't agree with you, I'm like, great, that's a great discussion. You know, I have had so many people where they would say something, oh, Patty, why did you think this? Or something about somebody else too, like, you know, another guest I'm having or something like that. And I'm always like, oh, wow, let's hear your point of view. And I would love to hear it. And if I think that your point of view is, for me, if your point of view isn't that you're just being, for lack of a better word, ugly, right? You know, you're just being ugly or want to be heard in a not nice way. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. But if somebody really does have a point of view and they have something to say, we should all be heard. I would like to hear that too. Absolutely. You know, so I think that when you have a platform, so if you're a podcast host or a magazine publisher like I am, or any type of thing that you have, even your social media, whatever the case may be, a blog, I welcome people who don't think just like me. I mean, I love that. I think it is... It is powerful and the conversation is so dynamic. Yeah, absolutely, Patsy. And so one thing here, commenting on LinkedIn and having conversations in the comments on LinkedIn is one of the most underused and most powerful strategies. That is really something where, one, it's not even a strategy. It's literally a relationship builder. The amount of relationships that I've built just by having conversations with people that I didn't agree with, like, especially around imposter syndrome, I have very specific ideas. So I don't agree with people on LinkedIn, but we have great conversations. The block and delete crew is the people who are trolling because they want to get a rise out of you. My whole thing is, like you said, you control the narrative. Don't let somebody get a rise out of you. Nobody anointed them the LinkedIn police. I think it is so true. And again, you know, I think a lot of times one of the things that I really try to encourage, and I say we should challenge the viewers right now, is to try to see if you could at least just one time a day choose to not just say exactly, or not just to say, I agree, or not just to say one word answers. And to be willing to open up and take the little risk, use your voice and share why. I don't agree because, right? Exactly. I feel that way too, because, because that is really what the conversation and really on LinkedIn for sure is about. Like, I love it when people tell me their point of view, whether they're agreeing with me or kind of agreeing with me. And I love it when they have a story, right? You know, because it's all about the story. And I always like to say, you know, you know, facts, tell, story, sell. That is where it's at. Like share the story. And a lot of times when you think that somebody doesn't really agree with you or maybe they don't resonate with you, when you hear the story, you can understand yeah. why, right? Yeah. The story does so much. And I really think stories on social are really, really important. Really important. That's kind of what puts the social back in selling, right? That's the social selling sales. That's be social. I think that is what is really important. And so I really want to encourage people to just kind of step up a little bit more, use your voice. Although I love it when people, I mean, you know, saying I agree is better than just liking, right? You know, I mean, that is better than that. But what if you could actually reach inside yourself and 
maybe say something that you've never said before, right? Or maybe you could, you have a point of view that, guess what? That point of view you share could be the perspective that somebody else needs for them to move forward in their business or their life or to say yes or say no or to reach out to you and say, thank you so much for sharing that. I've been on the fence. This has been a struggle for me. I need to hire you. Could we have a conversation? Whatever the case may be, I think it is really, really important because we talk about relationships, but really I think more and more moving forward, the human connection is even more important. So no matter whether somebody agrees with you or not, we're all still human, right? You know, and we're all entitled to our opinion. So I think go ahead and don't ever think that if maybe you think differently, it doesn't mean you're wrong. Oh, nobody's going to listen to me. Speak your truth. It's totally okay to share your point of view. I love it when somebody shares a point of view and I'm like, wow, I never even thought of it from that point of view. Yeah. I I love this conversation, Patsy. I really do. So I want to take it a step further. Absolutely share your point of view and do that even when you're sharing somebody's post or you're sharing an article. Because one thing that I see a lot is women sharing Harvard Business Review articles or a Forbes article, but they won't say why they're sharing it. But Harvard Business Review already has a brand. They, they don't need you for their brand. So what you want to do when you share something like that is say why you're sharing it, right? Like, so you can sort of piggyback on the notoriety of Harvard Business Review with your own opinions and your own take. And so that allows you to position yourself. So we're tweaking this so that people are, yes, liking and sharing, but they're doing it with their own opinion and their own sort of special sauce, right? Like the the, the Rocky, <laughs> the nut vanilla oh, that you were I, talking about. I love about what you're saying beginning. right now. I actually have an exercise that I um, that I put my clients through for this. Because a lot of times if they struggle with this and and this is briefly the exercise and I would love for you to weigh in on it for sure. And so I'll tell them, here's what I'm going to suggest you do. Let's just do this exercise. Go to Google and just type in list of whatever has something to do with your industry, right? List of 2023 marketing trends, list of whatever the case may be. And it will come up with, gosh, a million different blogs and stuff, right? And you have a list, right? And then I always say, okay, because here's what I know to be true. If I post something and I post this list of 10, you know, top marketing trends, I will get people that will post on it. They'll be like, oh, Patty, thank you so much for sharing that. But if, however, I post the same exact thing and say, Oh, number three is something I'm definitely going to be thinking about. Not sure if I agree with number nine. I'm going to have to think on that a little more. Everybody wants to listen to it. I get probably a hundred times more comments because now what they want to know is, oh, why? What do you like about number three, Patty? Or what don't you agree with about number nine? And I always do it really nice because somebody else's post. But the fact of the matter is, this is what I call that. Now we're kind of getting, we could have a whole nother talk about that. So I'm not going to let myself go off on a rant here, but this is what I call, you can create content or you can curate content. Creating content is when you write the content, you're the original writer. Curating content is when you have somebody else's content and you're giving your point of view on the content. And I will tell you that I curate content 
probably eight out of 10 times, because I know that what my audience wants to know is they want me to look at that information and tell them what I think. That's what they want to know. They're like, oh, I already read Inc. and, you know, and all those other things too. They read their blogs, but what they want to know is, oh, Patty, you're the marketing authority. What do you think about it? So when I say, oh, I'm definitely adding number seven to my toolbox, everybody's like, oh, what's number seven that Patty is the toolbox? So I always say, think about what your niche is, go to Google, find a list of 10, and then post some of them. What is one of the 10 that you love, you agree with? Maybe you don't agree with it. Maybe it's something you're going to add. And when you share it, say that and then test and see how many more people will respond because they want to know your point of view. And here just to give people, little people that might be thinking, oh, that makes me really nervous. Here's how I soften that. I have a hashtag that I use. It's not like only mine. And the hashtag is my two TWO cents. And I'll put that hashtag at the end, my two cents. And this is my way of softening saying, I'm not acting like I know everything about everything. This is just my two cents. And people will write back and say, oh my gosh, Patty, I love your two cents. Here's my two cents. And pretty soon you're having this whole dynamic conversation. So again, you don't have to know everything about everything. It could even be that you take something in that list and say, you know what? I've never even heard of number six, or I want to learn more. Who here is an expert on number six? You don't have to say what number six is. That's why they're going to click on it and go look at it and then come back. So again, I'm going to challenge you to think bigger and just share your voice on something. doesn't even have to be the thing you wrote. Just go find other things that people wrote and share your point of view on it. And if you're putting it and you're tagging the other person who is their original content, they're going to love that. They're going to love that as long as you don't slam them. I mean, if you really don't think about it, you could keep that to yourself. But I mean, like, really think about it. I think this is how people get to know what your point of view is. What do you think about that exercise? Love it. Guess what my LinkedIn post is tomorrow. I'm literally going to go and do that exercise and and research (laughs) for personal brand. I really, really love it. And if I may complete it with an exercise for your own content that you create. So now people will have two things. They can curate or create. One of the things that we don't realize when we know things really well is that other people don't know a tenth of what we know in that particular subject because we, we bath in it the whole day long. We think it's obvious. So what you can do is gather up two work friends or regular friends. So there's three of you and you talk about your expertise. Talk about it for three minutes. After that, have them ask you questions about your what you were talking about. You don't answer those questions. You just take notes of all the questions that they have. Those questions are now content prompts for you. You can now go out there and create content to answer those questions. And it's literally infinite. You can do this exercise with another two friends and then use those, those content prompts to, to create um, to create content for, for LinkedIn. So now they have curated, which positions them, by the way, as an expert. And then they have the content which they can dive deep and make it easy for people to understand their subject because they're going at the level where people are at in their understanding of that, of that subject. Oh, and now we're giving them homework. I'm going to add one more. 
I'm going to tell everybody that. Man, you got to really make sure you stay with this one because it just keeps getting better and better. I think another thing is a lot of times when people are talking about being visible and stepping into who they are, they just don't really know what words to use. And so the exercise that I also have my clients do is I tell them, if you have a podcast or you're on LinkedIn, go look at your reviews, go look at your LinkedIn recommendations and look at the words they use. And then go look at your podcast reviews and see what words they use to describe you. And then go look at social and see how other people are describing you. And that will tell you the words that you should use in your messaging, it will help you. Like maybe you don't feel like that is you, but they certainly do, right? And they felt a compelling need to fill out a recommendation about you or to review you, right? And they say these words. So sometimes we use words that we feel okay with saying about us, but really it's the words that they are going to say or think or feel about us, which is going to get them to hire you. So you don't even have to think that up yourself. Just go look at your recommendations, look at your testimonials, look at your reviews, and just start seeing the pattern of the words that people use over and over and over again. And that is where you can enter those into your content, because that is what your audience is saying, whether you're ready to step into it or not, and maybe it will encourage you to do so. Oh my God. I feel like this is a masterclass for me also. I'm writing <laughs> down these exercises, but I do want to say something about that, Patty, because this is another pet peeve of mine. How many times do I go on a woman's LinkedIn profile and she has not asked for recommendations? And I'm like, what are you doing? Why are there no recommendations on your profile? We are social animals. Do this exercise, go to the post office or to the grocery store and put yourself in line somewhere where others are not in line, right? Like just do a different line. People are going to line up behind you. That's what we do. And so if they don't see social proof of other people saying you're awesome, then yes, they might love you, but there'll be that little question in their head that's like, I wish I could have, like I could hear about her from someone else. So ask for recommendations systematically when you leave a job, when you finish a project, when you finish with a client, ask for recommendations on LinkedIn or just, you know, in a, in a Google Sheets. And not only that, but give them to one of the things that I do. <laughs> this is a masterclass. One of the things that I do, like when I meet with people, whether it's on in person or online, when we're wrapping up the call, I always like to say, are you on Google? Are you on, you know, Google business, Google my business, or do you have a business page, like a Facebook business page? And if they say yes, I literally say here, this is what I can do for you right now. I mean, I literally just spent 30 minutes, 40 minutes, even if you're not hiring them, you literally didn't sit there for an hour without a reason. And one of the things that I always do is I get out and right while we're right there, I give them a five-star review. Right while we're sitting right there, I give them a five-star review. And if they're on Google My Business or whatever, I actually write something for them. If I'm a guest on a, on a podcast, like I don't wait for them to give me the recommendation saying what a great guest I am. I actually give them one to say what a great interviewer they were. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel like a lot of times people are just so busy in their life that it's not that they don't think it. They, you know, they just don't think about doing it. Do it first. It's kind of like 
when I say that to people, they're like, oh, wow, I never thought of doing that. I never thought of going to somebody's, you know, Facebook business page and giving them a five-star review. I never thought of doing those things. And so that's why I, when I say that, they're like, wow, Patty, that is like, I said, now we're connecting. We're starting the building, the relationship. If you haven't hired each other, so what? You know, you could literally say, I had a conversation with them that was supposed to be 30 minutes. It ended up being 90 minutes. I couldn't believe the things that they said (laughs) that were so, you need to have a conversation with this person or whatever the case may be. So there's always places to serve if you look for them. I think that's what my takeaway is that I hope everybody gets. If you really think about it, as I said earlier in the beginning, for me, it is always about leading with contribution and compensation will follow. There's always places to serve. And I feel like if you always are thinking about people over profits, right? Make a difference, not a dollar. All the dollars will come, right? All the profits will come as long as it's not what you're thinking about first and you forget the people, right? We live in a world now it's really about building relationships. So the last thing I want to say is think of your business like an ATM machine. And it is, right? But if you think of it like an ATM machine, the question I think we should ask ourselves are you making more deposits or are you making more withdrawals, right? You know, make more deposits, be visible, right? Unapologetically visible and the right people will be connected to you. I have to tell you, this has been phenomenal. You know, I loved your topic. I reached out to you and asked you if you would be a guest. Didn't have a conversation with you before. And literally this has been probably one of my favorite uh, podcasts. We really went deep here. So I hope everybody got, I told you in the beginning, you were going to have lots of notes and writer downer. So I hope you did. I would love to have feedback for sure. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Um, How can people connect to you? Because I know they will want to. So of course, LinkedIn is the place where I hang out really more than I should. And then there is my website. So Beauvoir is like Simone de Beauvoir, the French philosopher. So it's the Beauvoir group.com. They can find me there. They can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and I have a podcast called Speaking with Women. And I would really love for people to find me there. It's all about women's visibility and the stuff that revolves around visibility I love that. I love this conversation. Right. If you're hearing this, all you got to do is look below because the buttons will be right there. We will have every possible way that you can connect with her. And not only that, she came bearing gifts too. She actually has two gifts actually. So tell us about them. And we also have the buttons below where you'll be able to get them as well. Yes. Okay. So number one is Stop procrastinating on LinkedIn. I'm going to help you to stop procrastinating. I have a one pager that includes a video on how to level up your LinkedIn profile. So just five things that you can do really quick, really simple to have a profile that you're proud of. So you can start posting content rather than, you know, being stuck on your profile. So that's one thing. The other thing is um, an ebook on unapologetic visibility. I think it's important to start understanding it, understanding the difference with personal branding. There's a whole Q&A in there. When should I start being visible? Um, Talk around mindset stuff, just to sort of position and start to understand what I mean by visibility and how it can help your career. So all of that, I'll send them to you. You can put them in, in the links. And I think people will find that really useful. I've gotten a lot of very good comments from those. And I hope that it will allow women to show up in places where they are needed 
I think that's not something we didn't say, Patsy. They are needed. This is not about them. It's about what they can do for the world. And when their voices are not heard, well, there's a lot of goodness that's not put out there. Oh, I agree with you. I like to say sometimes whether you realize or not, somebody out there is praying for just the genius that you have, you know, so I think that is really important. So thank you so much for those gifts. And this is the part of the show where we have open mic. I'd like to call it social karaoke, where I ask my guests, like you didn't give enough content, right? You told us so much great brilliance and you shared your zone of genius so much. But this is the part of the show where I ask you, what is your number one marketing media or money strategy? This is going to feel like trite, but it's just do the thing. Avoid the busy work. Avoid spending hours massaging a post, hours massaging your LinkedIn profile, hours trying to get your website perfect. It'll happen in the practice. So just do the thing. Don't do the busy work. And you'll see it'll get to some place that you love, but only because you're doing it, not because you're thinking about it. That is fabulous and so true. So thank you, BBG, for being here with me. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you for sharing and really like diving deep with me. You know, I I took you longer than I usually do, but it was just such good content. I just was really enjoying this conversation. I'm thinking maybe I'm going to need to have you back on my show again. So thank you so much for being here with me today. I loved it. I really did. Patsy, thank you so much. This is so valuable. Thank you. And so to my audience, thank you so much for being here with us today. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you. And if you would like a simple answer to the question, where should I focus my time and energy to attract highly qualified ideal clients, then I invite you to take the marketing media money assessment. And in three minutes or less, you'll know where you're excelling, where you can make a few changes and what steps to take to achieve massive results. Just go to www.m. 3bizquiz.com. And thank you so much for joining us on the Marketing Media Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, and I'm sure you did, please subscribe and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. So thank you so much, audience. I appreciate each and every one of you showing up week after week. I really appreciate it. Until next week, have a productive, phenomenal, and profitable day. Thank you for joining us today on the Marketing, Media, and Money Podcast. To shorten your learning curve even more, make sure to grab your free copy of the Marketing, Media, and Money magazine at www.marketingmediamoney.com. I promise your business will thank you.